This evening, if you have a, a Bible with you or maybe you have an electronic device, that's just fine. Uh, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, uh, the Gospel of Luke chapter 12. You'll find it in the, the, uh, this Bible here in the chairs. You'll find it on page 871, page 871, it's Luke chapter 12. We'll begin reading at verse 13. Luke chapter 12, here at verse 13, uh, this is the Word of God. It is given to us for our encouragement, for our strengthening to build us up, that we might be, we might be his, his children following the Lord according to His Word. Someone in the crowd said to him, speaking to Jesus now, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, uh, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care, and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Uh, this, far, this is the, the reading of God's word. And would you join me in prayer now to ask the Lord to be with us as we study his word here. Let's pray. Father, would you be with us now in this time of learning and growth? We know, Lord, you're the one to minister to us and you're the one to be our help and our strength. And so, God... Um, with all of us here in the room tonight, uh, there are just varying needs and cares and concerns, and you're the one who can minister to us. And so we turn to you, and that you would apply your word to our lives, uh, that, O oh, Father, we would be your children, we would be your disciples. And we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you aware that it's the Gospel of Luke, unlike Matthew and Mark and John, it's the Gospel of Luke out of all four Gospels that will have more verses, more teaching by the Lord Jesus uh, than any of the other three, more teaching on the topic of money, on the topic of possessions, the topic of material goods. It far outweighs Matthew and Mark and John. The Gospel of Luke is unique. You, you want to talk about mammon or treasure, you go to Luke. You want to talk about money or stewardship? You go to Luke. You want to talk about gifts or riches? You go to Luke. There are five parables, stories that Jesus will tell, that are unique to Luke's gospel, all having to do with something to do with riches, the good Samaritan, um, the rich man and Lazarus, the rich fool, the unjust steward, the parable of the minas. You will find that they're unique to Luke and not found in other Gospels. It's only in Luke 
where we read where Jesus and his disciples, as they're carrying out their ministry and they're traveling from Galilee and then down south to Judea, so on and so forth, it's in Luke where we learn that it's the women. It's the women who, out of their, out of their own purse, are providing for Jesus and the disciples. We have that story in Luke chapter 8. And they are providing there for these men, Jesus and these 12 who are carrying out their ministry. Luke addresses these things. And so you would, you know, with, with the amount of ink, the amount of verses and chapters and stories having to do with material possessions, then, then Luke is aiming at, at helping us to then say, well, Lord, how should we view material possessions? How should we view money? Luke has an edge on that. He, Luke wants us to be very earthy, and I mean that in the sense that that's to say we're to be you know, men and women who have schedules and work and business and commerce and enterprise. Luke is not against such things, but he's calling us to be a steward about such things. What does it mean to be a follower of the king? Again, it's Palm Sunday. What does it mean to say, you are Lord, you are my king, you are my God, and all that I have, all the goods that I have, belong to you, the king, and I'm here to serve you with them. There are a few lessons tonight that we want to look at now from these verses, especially giving focus to the parable that he's going to tell about this rich man who had these barns and so on and so forth. But a few lessons here. We're going to look at the blessing of things. That's what we're talking about, things, material things. The blessing of things, the stress of things, and the curse of things. <laughs> the blessing, the stress, and the curse. So we'll take a look at these. First, the blessing. What about these things? What about material possessions? What about money? What about a stewardship here? Look at verse 16 as we start in, verse 16. It says that he, he told a parable. He told, he, he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he, and he starts out with this parable. And let's just give some focus now to the blessing of these things. Now note this. This man is blessed. Uh, it's a combination of the sky above and the ground beneath his feet, this combination, right? That's what every, every farmer, in this case, a farmer needs, desperately needs. Uh, the smile of God for what is above, sunshine and rain. And then what is beneath his feet, good soil, fertile soil. This man has been blessed. There's been this sweet combination of heaven and earth for this man. There's been fruitfulness. We might say there's been fatness, sweetness, timely rains, good long days of sunshine. The Bible goes on to say this land is producing a crop for this man. Now, the Bible also says here that it's a certain rich man or simply a rich man. So Jesus is putting forth this parable, and it's about a man who has some means. He has been productive. He knows favor. He's, maybe he's a man, we might say as we do in everyday conversation speech, he's a man with some savvy he knows the market. He's well acquainted with handling this stewardship. It says in verse 18 that he had barns. That's in the plural, okay? <laughs> so it's another, it's another indication that he knows something about business. And so many barns. Maybe he's got a good, you know, a commercial building out back. Maybe he's got two or three shops, uh, places to store this grain. Uh, he's got a great supply. He's got plenty of equipment. 
He is strong in productivity. That goes on in the parable now. It yielded, this, this land, this ground yielded plentifully. He's had a great year, maybe several great years. So, the blessing of things. Please note this, congregation. Jesus does not open this parable with suspicious thoughts. Suspicion about things, material blessings. Jesus doesn't open this parable wanting to start off by saying, now you know, if you have these blessings, uh, this is of the devil. You know, this is wrong. Jesus doesn't start that way. The point is, is that our God is the God who does provide for us. Our God is the God who owns the world. The earth is the Lord's and all the inhabitants therein. Our God is not a God who is miserly. Our God is generous. And so he, he will, in fact, tend to our needs. He will care for our employment concerns. He is concerned with the work of our hands, whether we be workers or students. He is the God who is leading us forward with a stewardship. And in this regard, he's, you know, he, he's the God who seeks fruitfulness in our lives. Listen to Proverbs 27. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. And that's to say, you know, God blesses us with ownership. God blesses us with a stewardship. These are his kind gifts to us. And so wealth, wealth and material blessing is not evil. Ownership and the prospering of a business, we would not say is all a worldly means, a worldly, worldly, worldly means. Of course, it can be, but that's not how the parable starts. Jesus wants us to know, with just a little snapshot here, that God is the God who blesses. God is the God who supplies. God is the God who gives. And in this regard, uh, with productivity and not being lazy, there's, remember there are proverbs about being lazy. You know, go to the ant and go to the ant and learn. Remember that. Go to the ant and learn how that ant stores up, how that ant carries out work. And that's to say, as we're faithful and seeking to use our hearts and our heads and our hands and our feet, God is the God who gives the increase. So it starts out there. Now, there's an implication here. Are we giving God thanks for his blessing? Are we in turn, day by day, saying, Lord, you have watched over me. Lord, you have given me clothing on my back. Lord, you are the God who watches over my health and my strength. Lord, each and every day is a gift from you. See, that's the implication. We know what's coming in the parable because there, there are temptations with material gain, right? There are, there are temptations with material gain. And so the implication here that we know that the fuller story of the gospel, that's to say, what is the Bible teaching about this? Are we thankful? Even as we're following Jesus who's king, he's Lord, as we're thinking about Palm Sunday and Holy Week, Lord, take my life. You own everything about me. And so each and every day is a day of service to the Lord. Is that your heart? Is that where you are? Because remember, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, Deuteronomy chapter 8, we do have a warning. You shall remember, it's the Lord your God. For it's he who gives you the power to gain wealth. Moses, back in Deuteronomy here, Moses back in Deuteronomy said, is saying, there is no room, Mark, there's no room for patting yourself on the back. 
for prosperity or productivity or blessing in ownership or blessing in your stewardship. No, it's the Lord. It's the Lord who gives. It's the Lord who provides. And this is our Lord Jesus Christ. Why did Jesus himself repeatedly give thanks? Whether it be the breaking of bread, the Bible tells us he would lift his eyes and he would give thanks. He would break the bread and then what? That bread would multiply to the thousands, the 4,000, the 5,000 that he would feed. But note what he's doing. Lord, this is a blessing of you. You're the one who provides. And so our Savior gives thanks. Other occasions where he's continually to give thanks for maybe the stewardship of his teaching ministry. Father, I thank you that you've withheld this and you've granted this. Jesus was the one who repeatedly said, Lord, everything I have, Father, everything I have is yours. I'm, I'm but a steward of yours, Father. I am your son. You are my father. That's the gospel. And that's why we go to the Lord Jesus Christ continually. Lord, of ourselves, we're not given to giving thanks. That's not our demeanor. That's not our, that's not our inclination, our disposition. That's not our habit. And that's why we need Christ. Christ, you're the one whom we need. You're the one because you're our Savior. You're our Savior. So the blessing of things. Let's go on to the next one now, the next lesson here in the, in the story. It's the stress. The stress of things. We've looked at the blessing, now the stress. Uh, the story goes on. Look at verse uh, 17 here with me. Verse 17. Well, He's a rich man, he produced plentifully, verse 17. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. <laughs> blessing, blessing and fruitfulness, blessing and material gain sometimes, let's say it, oftentimes bring stress. <laughs> Lord, what am I to do here? How am I to manage these things? Now, notice here, we get inside this man's head a little bit. You know, not, there, aren't, there aren't too many Bible stories. There aren't too many gospel stories, Bible stories, where we're told about what a man is thinking about inside, what's going on in his heart or mind. But we get this opportunity to look a bit at what is, what is inside this man's thinking here. Why does Jesus tell us that he thought to himself, he's thinking to himself, what shall I do? for I have nowhere to store my crops. Why does Jesus linger just for a moment, having us pause and think about why or what it is that this man is thinking about? Jesus knows that when it comes to money, when it comes to material possessions, what's going on inside is abundantly important. What meditations we have, what imaginations we have, Let's call it what it is. What worries we have. What worries we have about money. We go deep, as we say. We go deep when it comes to money. We think long and hard when it comes to a stewardship and materiality, things that are around us. I don't know about you, but when I'm driving one of the interstates, when I'm driving one of the interstates and I see that massive billboard, you know, lottery numbers, right? $121 million. When I, when I notice that in the car, you know, I, I, going down, I start to think to myself, man, what would I do with $121 million? Right? 
But my point is, is that Jesus knows. He knows that we, we ponder, we think, we reflect, we worry, we get stressed. We pose questions to ourselves. What am, what am I, this man, what am I going to do? My barns are all, all full. I have nowhere to store these crops. So what, what, what is it that goes on inside of you regarding money and material possessions? What goes on inside of you? Maybe when uh, there's, a, there's a pleasant, you know, a pleasant happenstance that comes your way. Something pleasant happens to you and you receive an extra $300. Maybe it's a bonus. Maybe it's a, you know, a simple a, a check you were not expecting. Uh, what, what goes on in your heart uh, with, with such things? What goes on in your heart when you're thinking about, oh, man, the bills? That's right. They're, they're coming due again. Tomorrow is tax day, right? What goes on in your heart? Let me pointedly ask you, are you worried? Is your life, you know, centered on worry and fear and that anxiety. He's going to tell us in this same chapter, in this same chapter, Jesus is going to say, if God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do, do, and do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink or have an anxious mind. For these things the nations of the world seek after. But your Father, your Father knows what you need. He knows you need these things. And then Jesus instructs us, but seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. So friends, tonight, if you are here, and, and I know what that is. Peg and I, my wife and I, we, we know what it is to worry to have anxiety, to have fear. Tell, tell the Lord your sin. Uh, tell, tell the Lord of your worry, that sin of worry. Tell him about your given nature to live in fear. I like what, uh, I like what the old German uh, Reformed teacher Martin Luther said back in the 1500s. He said, Pray and let God worry. Yeah. And that's it. Tell, tell the Lord of your sin. Tell him of your concerns. Tell him of your fears. Because you see, once again, this is what our Savior Jesus did. Jesus didn't sin. But what he did was he constantly entrusted himself. That's what the Bible teaches us. Jesus constantly entrusted himself to him who judges righteously. And that's the Christian life. We're, we're to be found in Christ. If your life is here of yourself, you are typically, I know what this is like, you're typically a man or woman of, uh, or a child of worry, fear, anxiety, pressure, stress, fears of all kinds. But the Bible teaches us to find Christ and to go to Christ and to live in Jesus. And this is the gospel. This is the good news. Our God has provided the Lord Jesus, his son, to come and live for us. And he's the, he's the one who entrusted himself continually unto his father, who is righteous in all of his ways, who judges uh, righteously in everything. That's the point. 
Christ is our Savior. Christ is our hope. Christ is our shield, our protector, the one who provides for us. He understands our burdens and worries and fears. And that's why he came into this world, to deal with our sins. And so we tell him exactly where we're at, and we say, Lord Jesus, I need you. You're the one to be the provision for me in the midst of this stress and this worry and this fear. So it's, it's a point of stress at this time in the parable where we're learning that the man is thinking to himself. Let's go one further now. One other further lesson, uh, the curse of things, the curse of things. Uh, look at verse 18. He's asked the question in 17, what is he going to do now? He has nowhere to store his crops, verse 18. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The curse. The curse of things at this point. He says that he's going to build greater and many more barn, barns to store up all of his own goods. Now, what are some basics here to keep in mind? What are some basics to keep in mind about this matter that there can be, when our hearts go astray with material things and money and treasures, our hearts can go astray, and we're to be caught up short here. That's to say, we're to, we're to take heed about such things because of our propensity to just veer off, veer off one direction or the other about material goods. Jesus has a warning to get us started here about the curse. Look back at verse 15. Look at verse 15. And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. What's the first lesson that we're, to that we're to see about this matter of material possessions? We are to take heed. We are to be cognizant, aware of the deception of riches. We can just let life roll on in that sense. It can become easy street in what? We think that life is all about the accumulation of more and more and more. And that's what Jesus is getting at. Life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. Life is not defined by acquiring and acquiring and acquiring. Otherwise, things become a substitute God. And this man is faced here with this substitute God. All these things that I have, I will store my things in many more barns. And what's underneath this matter of a substitute God is this matter of the sin of discontentment. You see, there's a warning here about our attitude toward things. And the warning here is greed. More and more. It's mine and all mine, my goods, my treasures. It's a fixation. It's a fixation on this substitute God. And it all starts off here by saying, this is what I need. This is what defines me. 
This is my life. But Jesus warns us, life does not consist in the abundance of things. And the word here in the original for life, you know, there are two words in the original for life. One is bios, where we get the word biology, bios, bios. That's talking about physical life. The word that's used here is zoe. And zoe is talking about an abundant life, a life of satisfaction, a life of wholeness, a life that indeed is full with enjoyment. And that's to say, your enjoyment, your fullness, does not consist in what you own. That's what Jesus is saying. Who, you know, what satisfies the heart is not material things. What satisfies the soul is not material things. Jesus knows your heart. Jesus knows your needs. And so the point is, do you want life to be full? Do you want life to be that which indeed is that satisfaction where there's indeed refreshment and peace and wholeness? It is glorifying God with what you have, serving him with what you have. If, he, if, he, if he's out of the picture of your life, then you're saying, my life is full of these things. And the Lord is somewhere over here. Maybe, maybe over here, but he's somewhere over here. Jesus is saying, your life does not consist in the abundance, the abundance of what we possess. Now, just to see a little bit more before we close about the curse here, this curse of things, I want you to see just quick, these quick three things, three things real quick here. Uh, there in this parable, we have to take stock of the various temptations, temptations to greed. Look at the personal pronouns, temptations, where we ourselves have a fixation about these things. Kind of reminds me almost like an old, old pinball machine. I know that's really dating, you know, that's old. But the old pinball machine, remember that? That pinball machine would bounce from place to place to place to place to place there. And of course, you know, when you hear that ding, 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 you know, you're racking up points on the board. But this, it reminds me of a pinball machine. If you notice all the back and forth here of these personal pronouns, look at, look at verse 17. What shall I do? What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And then he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. He's at the focus here. You want to talk about the curse of things and how greed has overtaken this man. There's a focus on his own life. I will do this. I will tear down. I will store. It's my grain. It's my goods. Do you see where that goes? All these personal pronouns and he is at the center. Where is God? God, what is it that you want me to do? How may I serve you with all that you've given to me? Notice as well, there is no thanks to God. No thought of the need of others. Listen to Psalm 10. The wicked, the wicked, he boasts of the cravings of his own heart. He boasts about his greed. In his pride, the wicked does not seek God. In all of his thoughts, there's no room for God. 
And then you find this man lastly, in terms of, again, the curse and how greed has overtaken this man. Lastly, you find this man with no thought of turning to God about his future. Remember the book of James. Remember the book of James tells, tells us in James chapter 5, in the book of James, you know, don't think to yourself that you're going to go to such and such a town or such and such a city, and there you will make such and such of, you know, uh, you know a gain, a material gain, and prosper. You are to say, if the Lord wills, I will go. Remember that, James? And you don't have this with this man in this parable. There's nothing here about, Lord, what is it that you want? Lord, what is your will? Lord, how may I serve you? Lord, if you will for this to happen, I turn my life. My life is yours, Lord. I'm here for your service. And again, there's no thought about serving others. In the book of Ephesians, we're told that he who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he may have something to share with one who has a need. Again, the mark of the Christian is, Lord, you're Lord of my life. In Jesus Christ, I'm here to serve you, Lord. I'm here to honor you with all that you've given, all that you've entrusted. And Father, my my brother, my sister, maybe someone down the street, maybe someone across the road, Lord, what is it that you would want me to do? Now, you can't do everything. Let's be be reasonable with scriptures. But the point is, there is a stewardship that you have, and maybe there's a need where someone, you might come alongside of them and say, brother, sister, friend, neighbor, uh, co-worker, someone down the street, is there something I might do to just walk with you with the burdens that you're bearing? Lord, I'm here to serve you as as I attempt to serve a neighbor. You see, with all these kinds of temptations, Worries, fears, needs, cares, concerns, a stewardship, material things, possibilities, opportunities, all that God is doing, are you seeking Christ? Are you going back to Jesus? Jesus tells this parable because he says, look at verse 20, I close here, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. All of us in the room tonight, we will be held accountable to our our God. He says here, this night your soul is required of you. The things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Are you rich toward God tonight? If you were to die tonight, are you ready to meet him? Is your trust in Jesus Christ, the one who atoned for our sins? the one who calls us into discipleship. So, Father, I'm here to serve you through your Son. All that I am, all that I have is yours. I'm here to serve the Lord. Let's pray. Our Lord and God, you are King, and you're the one over us, and you're the one with us, and you provided your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, in this new week, May we give you our lives in that full obedience. Everything is yours, Lord. We are your sons, we are your daughters, we are your children. And that through Jesus Christ, we might live for the Lord. And so, Lord, take take the things that we have, the things of which we are stewards, and use them for your honor and glory, and that we might be a witness and a testimony of your grace and goodness 
always giving thanks and always giving consideration that you're our God and that we are here to serve you uh, 24-7. Lord, help us and go with us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.